Welcome to Shoot the Hostage, I am Dan. And I'm Sarah, and we're a movie show that covers eight films each season, tied together by a central theme. This season, the theme is folklore. We cover everything from explosive action to spine-tingling horror and everything in between. And as a heads up, we don't hold back on coarse language or specific plot details, so listener discretion is advised. This podcast is brought to you by our amazing patrons, without whom the show would not be possible. If you'd like to help out and access all of our bonus content, including new reviews and rap shows, all the relevant links will be in the show notes. And if you're not a Patreon person, but you would still like to help out, you could rate and review us on your podcast player of choice tell a friend and get them to rate and review us as well or come follow us and interact with us on social media mostly instagram x threads tiktok all at sch underscore pod without further delay here's this week's episode we hope you enjoy it and stick around The podcast is coming from inside the house. Yes, the podcast is coming from inside the house. Or if you're commuting, that makes zero sense. We're covering Black Christmas. Yes. On Christmas Day, on we're Christmas releasing Day this episode. So of all days. If you are listening on Christmas Day, then I guess happy Christmas. Yeah, I hope you've had a doing. lovely day so far. I hope you're full of yummy food. I hope you're suitably pissed if you drink. If you don't drink, I hope you've had some nice alcoholic replacement. <laughs> A nice glass of schlur. Yeah. <laughs> 0% Guinness or something. Yeah. They, do you know, that's not bad. I like I it. I didn't love it. Oh, well, each to their own. We'll um, do a supplementary episode where we review cans of Guinness. <laughs> it's going to get old very quickly. <laughs> mm. well, we're on the red wine. We are, yes. So we're celebrating our Christmas day. In November. In November, <laughs> yeah. Don't give the game away. <laughs> It's a secret. Oh, it doesn't matter. As you mentioned, Black Christmas. Yeah. So the Black Christmas. The... We should, uh, yeah, we okay. should differentiate because there are three to date. But this is the first one. I watched yeah. the the original one. Yeah. Yeah. That was so did I. Good. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, we're going to have to put the year in a title of this episode. We are. Yeah. Just for a case. couple. For a couple this season. Yeah. Yeah. Good shout. Yeah. The entire week, I've been in my head, been going. Silent night, <laughs> deadly night. <laughs> Why? But this is not that movie. No, that was a decade later and a very different film. Yeah. So I guess this one is is sort of looked at as an early slasher movie. Yes. Um, some people credit this with being the first, well, one of the first, if not the first, but obviously Peeping Tom mm. beat it to the slasher game and the killer, killer POV game by a good 14 years. Okay. Also, so, Psycho was before Psycho this. Psycho was the same year, yeah, nineteen sixty. So yeah, there were some there were some proto slashes hanging this, around. This definitely feels like it's kind of set in the mold in many ways. Yeah, I do think this is a bit of an outlier for me in terms of slasher movies. Yeah, you're not is, a fan generally, are you? No, not the biggest fan. Maybe we'll get into that. But yeah, it it kind of Halloween was a few years after this. Uh, yeah, 78, four years after. Yeah, and I suppose that one could be looked at as the one that kicked off the horror franchises, maybe, or the slasher franchises. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the slasher craze kind of went insane in the 80s, yeah. and Halloween Halloween was the one, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I, I heard actually that Tom Savini came up with the idea <laughs> for slasher movies. Yeah, he invented everything, yeah, don't you know? that's right. So, 1974 directed by Bob Clark. He had a movie out the same year that this came out called Dead of Night. Yeah, which I haven't seen, sadly. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one at all. He's most well known for, to my mind anyway, Black Christmas and A Christmas Story, which are such different movies. Yeah, I don't think I've seen A Christmas Story, but I'm familiar with the little, he's got glasses boy. <laughs> and yeah. You know, the, the kid. The yes, kid. the kid, the child. The child. Yeah, he's not a child anymore. He's a grown man. No, I believe know it or not. Time works. <laughs> but I that movie, I... that movie's why I say fragile. <laughs> <laughs> what? Because the kid says fragile. Um, it's a it's a kind of running gag about the leg lamp. Never mind. <laughs> leg lamp. <laughs> <laughs> Two words which shouldn't come together, and yet he directed Porky's. He did. Yeah. 
kind of very, very bizarre resume this man had. Yeah. From a really kind of dark, quite bleak proto-slasher to a raucous sex comedy. And Karate Dog. Karate Dog. I'm not familiar with Karate Dog. Please, what? you've never please seen Karate Dog. Regale me with the synopsis for Karate Dog. Everybody's seen Karate Dog. <laughs> I can't it... believe you haven't seen Karate Dog. <laughs> I mean, do you know what? I am quite a big fan of uh, Karate Dog. Dogs doing doing human things movies. Yeah, there was that basketball one. Airbud. Airbud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's about twelve of them. <laughs> movies, not dogs. Yeah, there's obviously Jerry Lee in Canine. He's a police officer. Yeah. And the finest police officer. Could he do karate? Yeah. Oh, well, maybe he was karate dog. Maybe he was karate maybe dog. This, maybe it's like a spiritual sequel to K9. Oh, I like that idea. <laughs> Let's go with that. Yeah, that's forever cemented in my memory now. Okay. But back to Black Christmas. Do- First of the seasonal I- slashes. Obviously, after this, we had My Bloody Valentine, Graduation Day, April Fool's Day, Mother's Day... There's everything. Yeah, everything die. Yeah. Thanks killing. <laughs> so this wasn't a first watch for either of us, was it? No. I saw this relatively recently. I don't know if it was a year ago or two years ago. I think ago. it was two years ago. But we watched it on Christmas Day, right? Uh, or Christmas... New Year's Eve. Oh, okay. Weirdly. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, I'm thinking that we watched it on Christmas Day. And you've just reminded me that New Year's Evil is a movie that I could have cited as a seasonal uh, slasher movie. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But yeah, yeah, we watched it a couple of years ago. So that was the first time you'd seen it, was it? Yes. Yeah. And I don't remember sort of being familiar with it, really. No. I was pretty convinced that you were going to dislike this film based on the fact that you're not a fan of slashers. Yeah. And that horror is not your kind of first port of call. But you didn't hate it? Question oh, we, mark? We're gonna we're gonna go straight there, are we? Yeah, um, I'm asking. No, of course not. I I didn't I didn't hate this. I thought this was really quite good. Okay, I quite like this movie. I awesome. think it's my problem with the slashers, as, as I've said many times, is like when they're repeating themselves. Mm-hmm. We've seen loads of these movies now, but this this was like the first one to do what it did. I know we mentioned two other movies that came before this, and there's probably others as well. Yeah, but. It kind of set the mould for what came later. And I do appreciate that while I'm watching it. And also there are excellent characters. Yep. Which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. There are some really great themes, especially for the era when it was released. You had Roe v. Wade a year before this. Yeah. I don't know. I was going to talk about that towards the the middle of the show, but I I don't know. Because I was doing some reading before this and apparently Bob Clark himself kind of said... In his mind, this film was so far away from being political. Mm. Um, and apparently Olivia Hussey as well, who obviously plays our main character, Jess, Jess. I want to say. Yeah. They both have been quoted as saying that the conversations that her and her boyfriend have about the unwanted pregnancy were just kind of to give them a motivation to to talk and to mm. bicker. It was nothing more than that. So it certainly sounds like, I consider it a feminist film, but mm. it certainly sounds like they didn't necessarily set out to make one. I mean, maybe that's more impressive that you accidentally yeah. make a feminist movie. Yeah, that that was, that was not like it's, tokenism or... It's on the, it must be, if you're writing something, it must be on the, either in your subconscious or you're consciously trying to do it. And if you're, if you, they say they're not consciously trying to do it, then... It's Those not virtue signaling. In the, in the zeitgeist. Yeah, exactly. It's probably not virtue signaling. Instead of a synopsis, let's talk about why we've included it in folklore season. How about that? As you know, I put this lineup together. I had to include Black, Black Christmas. When I was putting the list together, obviously it's it's my theme. It's mm. my list. Everyone else can get stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> but I did kind of go back and forth about what constitutes folklore like how far can i stretch this and i was on the fence for a little bit about black christmas but to my mind it fits it's more of an urban legend than it is folklore the 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 babysitter the babysitter and the man upstairs is kind of well it's sort of loosely based on that yeah which was in itself sort of loosely based on a real life murder so let's go right back to the beginning in 1950 there was a 13-year-old called Janet Cr- 
Christman, Christman, yeah. I'm not sure, um, who was babysitting a three, a neighbor's three-year-old. Why the hell a 13-year-old was left in charge of a toddler? I'm not quite sure. Different that's, times. That's not uncommon. Um, this is 1950. They probably didn't even lock the doors, which was perhaps their first mistake. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they somebody broke into the house. Uh, really sadly, sorry, trigger warning. Uh, raped and murdered Janet. The the kid survived, thankfully. He slept through the entire ordeal. But all this time later, the case is still unsolved, mm. which is wild, man. Yeah, that's so sad. Um, but yeah, that was that was kind of used as the inspiration for the story, the babysitter and the man upstairs, which of course is um, a very bare bones story girl babysitting gets a phone call somebody says in a very menacing tone have you checked on the children i'm paraphrasing she doesn't think anything of it they keep calling then obviously the children are dead the call is coming from inside the house i think she's on the phone to an operator and they tell her to leave immediately so it's largely thought that that was the basis for black christmas right which makes sense, but there are there are a couple of other things that they took inspiration from as well. Mm. Bob Clark himself kind of says the bulk of the inspiration was um, a series of murders that were happening in Montreal around about the same time. And it was kind of the same era for people like Ted Bundy as well. So there was a lot of sort of high profile serial killers yeah. at that time. But yeah, I, it fits. It fits. I will maintain that its inclusion is valid. Yeah, I think it, listen, if you can explain it, then it works. I just did. And it's... I justified yeah, it. And you, and you can, so that's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it works. I heard uh, maybe a variation on that, but that must always be the case. There's always a new twist on these things, and then what becomes a folklore? Well, they, exactly. That's what makes them folklore, isn't it? They get yeah. told and retold and translated, and yeah. they kind of get a little bit amended each time. Mm. It's bound to happen. Yeah. No, it works. It fits. And also, but you had the um, problem of finding a Christmassy film that was yeah, also folklore. I, ha- that was I wanted to do barrier. something seasonal, yeah. Yeah. And I can't think of a single other folklore Christmas movie. Well, it's funny you say that because we're doing another one next week. <laughs> we, should, we should save that for next year. <laughs> we should. Oh, well. Oh, well. Should, we, should we talk about the cast a little bit? Go for it. So we've got, obviously, Olivia Hussey mm-hmm. as Jess. 90s It. The Tim yeah. Curry. Curry. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Curry, <laughs> Death on the Nile, nineteen seventy-eight. Okay. Romeo and Juliet, nineteen sixty-eight. Yeah, she was in the news quite recently, actually. Um, there was a there was a a legal issue surrounding her and the male star of Romeo and Juliet, and they I think attempted to press charges against the director. It's something to do with them sort of being coerced into nude scenes when they were, I don't know, inappropriately young. Right. I'm not sure. Please don't quote me on that. But that's the only thing I've heard about her recently. Mm, okay. Also in Ice Cream Man, the Clint Howard one. I've written down Clont Howard, actually. Clont Howard. Yeah. <laughs> Ron Howard's <laughs> brother, Clont. Clont, yeah. Ron and Clont. That sounds like a like a cartoon. Ron and Clont yeah. on Sunday mornings, Nickelodeon. <laughs> one of them's got a time-travelling gauntlet that only works on Tuesdays. You're selling it to me. When he punches the ground, a portal opens and they both jump in it. That sounds great. Clint and Ron. Clint and Ron. <laughs> no, Clint. Clint and Ron. <laughs> Clint and Ron. Yeah. Margot Kidder. Yes. Is also iconic. In this movie as Barb. Barb's the best. Barb is the best. Barb is my favorite character. No nonsense. Easily. She's great. Foul mouthed, hard drinking. We love Barb. We love Barb. Yeah. <laughs> First, obviously, time I was aware of Margot Kidder would, would have been. The Superman movies. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> she was also in the Amateurville Horror, which we recently watched. We did. Not the Ryan Reynolds one. No, the good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. And she was great in that as well. Mm. But outside of those things, um, oh, I've got Sisters, a Brian De Palma movie. Oh, which yeah. I hadn't heard of, actually. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, that was remade. It wasn't oh, very good. It wasn't remade with um, Amy Poehler and... No, you're thinking of something completely different. <laughs> Tina Fey. No, yeah. not that one. <laughs> that was called Sisters, wasn't it? <laughs> you are mistaken, You've sir. You've got to clarify these things. <laughs> uh, Maverick. She was in Maverick. Remember that Mel Gibson? Oh, yeah. Classic. 
where he's like, I've got some cards hidden or something. Yes. I'm going to do finger guns at you. And <laughs> maybe real bullets come out my fingers. I do vaguely remember that, although I think you've taken liberties. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I saw it once in 1996. <laughs> she was in the uh, Halloween 2, the Rob Zombie one, the one that you love. <laughs> <laughs> I will not stand for this. Yeah, she's she's was a very troubled lady, shall we say. I don't know much about it, but I have heard that, yes. Yeah. Quite tragic, her later years. Really? From, from all accounts, yeah. Kia Delia plays Peter. Peter, yeah. Peter. Um, yeah, 2001, A Space Odyssey. And 2010. And 2010, yeah. <laughs> he came back. <laughs> um, but not really. Spoilers for those movies. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't do that, David. Yeah, he's that guy. Yeah. I, I didn't realise it while I was watching I didn't watching think this. he was one of the apes at the beginning. <laughs> might have been. <laughs> Maybe he started like the Terry Notary trend. <laughs> uh, Lynn Griffin plays Claire. Yes. And she was in mm-hmm. recently Thanksgiving. Was she really? Yeah. Oh. She played Grandma. Remember that character? Oh, Grandma? yeah, of course. <laughs> <I don't> re- <laughs> There's a lot of people in that movie. Not going to spoil it, but I don't remember her being in it. No, I don't. But I probably wouldn't have recognised her because I'm not familiar with her outside of Black Christmas. No, and it's been 50 years. It's been 50 years. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Um, John Saxon. The John Saxon. Yeah, Lieutenant Fuller. Yeah, typecast. Typecast as a policeman. He's a policeman (laughs) in everything. No, Dean Norris is a policeman in everything. (laughs) True, true. But he's not a policeman, not Dean Norris. John Saxon is not a policeman in Enter the Dragon. That's true. He's a gambler and a martial artist. (laughs) (laughs) He's great in it. He's great in everything. He's great in everything. What I like, I was thinking about this earlier. Like, why is he always cast as a cop? And I think it's because as soon as you see his face, he's just got that. He's got like, quite that a cachet, like that, that. He's he's authoritative without being like doesn't lord it over you. He's, yeah, he's an everyman. Yeah, he's got he he's got power and responsibilities, but he's he's careful how he wields it. Yeah. And this is kind of this kind of feels like a like an Elm Street prequel to me. <laughs> This movie, like I swear, he's got a seven-year-old girl at home called Nancy, and he, he moves to Elm Street and changes his name. What oh. was his name in that? Lieutenant Donaldson. <laughs> I buy that theory. I like yeah. it. Although, don't change your name from Fuller to Donaldson because Fuller's much better. Agreed. Yeah. Marion Waldman. Who was Marion Waldman? Oh, sorry, I just re- remembered. Also, John Saxon was in Tenebrae. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, you want to talk about the Giallo links and stuff? I will be talking about Giallo all links, right. yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> so Marion Waldman plays Mrs. Mack. Ah, oh, Mrs. Mack. Mrs. Mack. Easily second favourite character. I think I've seen a vision of my future in 30 years. <laughs> yeah. And it's hiding booze in the toilet system. You've got a giant cat. Also, you call your cat a prick. <laughs> I do do that, yeah. You do do that. <laughs> Andrea Martin as Phil. Oh, yeah. I think that's it for cast, unless you want to... They're the, there they're are the, other people in it. They're the main players. Yeah, they're the main players. We've already mentioned this being... Would you call it a slasher or a proto-slasher? Because it kind of is a slasher. Proto means the first thing. Yeah, like proto-prototype. I would, Yes, I would say so. From, from, from my limited research and understanding <laughs> of the movies that came before, mm-hmm. yes. What about you? Would you? I mean, I think so. Yeah. yeah. The, it, it's funny because not only is this kind of incorrectly credited as being one of the first slashes, it's also incorrectly credited as being the first instance of killer POV, which was also Peeping Tom, mm. if I'm remembering correctly. Okay. They certainly utilize that in Peeping Tom, much more so in this. It's quite prevalent in this one. It starts that way. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah, that's the first thing we see, entering the house. Yeah. Which I've been to. You've been to that house? I have. Were You weren't in the attic, were you? Shh, no. <laughs> I just went to see if Claude was still there. Claude's most certainly dead. <laughs> oh, Claude no. was dead before the end of the 70s. Stop. It was giant and heart failure or something. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Sorry. Merry Christmas. <laughs> just what everybody wants after they've eaten their dinner i'm sure the cat's alive and well (laughs) (laughs) well don't be silly um no but i have i have visited the house toronto 
Toronto, yes. It's funny because in, in the trivia that I've read, it kind of says, oh, it's a private house in Toronto and it's become... Uh, they they had to rent it out for the production and like do it up yeah because uh, it was sort of not quite in ruins but it didn't look great so they had to do a lot of um, renovation on it and the trivia goes on to say and it's a popular tourist attraction it is not it is absolutely not it's down a private road and we had to sneak because there were cameras everywhere oh right yeah it's a really big house in a fancy area it's not a tourist attraction no so how did you get in I snuck down the road. You, I didn't you, get into the house. Oh, I, right, I, I took you, photos at the fence okay. outside. <laughs> Is it somebody's dwelling? Yeah, somebody lives someone's, there. Someone's abode. Uh huh. Oh yeah, no, private house. I did that with Ferris Bueller's house. Did you I drove to Ferris Bueller's house in uh, California? You know, and took photos, and I just thought, <laughs> I bet these people get really pissed off. Did you just stand outside going, "Hey, bada bada"? I tried <laughs> so to wing bada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knocked at first, but then um, no one answered, so I tried to get in round the back. <laughs> Yeah, so Toronto. Okay, it's mostly it mostly takes place in and around that house. You've got some other locations. There are some others, yeah. The university complex, police station, police station. Yeah, I was never sure if it was actually set in Toronto or set in Canada, but I think it must be right. I think it's. I they never th- explicitly say it. Well, I assumed it was America. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe I should have checked that. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at, though. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. It could be set anywhere. It could be set anywhere. I'm assuming they have the fraternity and sorority system, so doesn't really matter, does it? No. It could be anywhere that there is... Uh, oh, shit. What what Greek letters is it? I should know that. What What do you mean? For the sorority house. What do you mean, Greek letters? They They have, like... Like Delta Kappa something. Oh, is that what the triangle and the, and the yes. Z thing is? Did you not know that? I didn't. I thought it was just like their logos or something. <laughs> their what? You thought it was logos? Yeah. Oh, I love it when you play this character. <laughs> what character? The first day on Earth, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not familiar with Greek letters. What can I say? I skipped that. Like Theta, Theta, Omega, Pi. I'm familiar with Pi. I know you're familiar with Pi. <laughs> anyway... So it's definitely set in Canada. I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So as we, as we said. Greek language. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're <laughs> not. Derailed you. So as we said, killer POV is kind of the first thing that we see approaching the house. I, I didn't realise that it was POV. Did you not? The first time I was watching it. And even the second time, actually, I'd forgotten the, 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 what the opening shot was. No, I just, when you first, when it first opens and you see that house in frame, I'm not thinking, oh, this is a POV shot. It's not until I guess it starts moving around because it goes closer to the window mm-hmm. and they close the curtains, don't they? Yeah. And then it, it moves around to some trellis. Yeah. And he runs up the trellis. <laughs> and that's not, I mean, that's not a good security. Like, I would advise that's, you don't have trellis. That's the absence of security. Yeah. So it's not until then that I realised what I was watching was a POV shot. So it was really, right. like, in my mind, cleverly done and yeah. probably unexpected then. As you, you said, like, these things may See, have been seen before. but This then- is it. This is it. Because I'm so familiar with slasher movies, because they are kind of my jam, I never assumed anything else. But yeah, you're right. In 1974, that would have been quite surprising yeah i mean other projects and this is generally how things work people will come up with an idea or concept and they'll do it but then it tends to be popularized by other projects that, yeah. that follow it i mean the, the next big one was halloween obviously that utilized yeah. the pov shots yeah certainly at the beginning anyway yeah so I, I like that opening i think that's i don't know it's quite a good way to just introduce you to what's going on you know exactly what's happened you've seen the house you've seen inside the house there's a party going on Straight away, it's telling you this is, you know, the threat. This is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, pretty quickly, is it Claire? Is it? I don't know who. You- <laughs> is it? If you're talking about Claire, then yes, it's Claire. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. I need more than that. <laughs> yeah. Is it Claire? How, who are you talking about? Claire. I'm talking about Claire. <laughs> then yes, it's Claire. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm but- glad we cleared that up. <laughs> But, but Claire, I can't remember how quickly it is from shot one to Claire's demise. 
I mean, is there a, there's the phone call in between that. Isn't they have the, the initial they have call. the first phone call before her death. Right. Yes, I think it's Jess who answers the phone, and does she yell to everybody else like, "Oh, it's the Mona again"? It's the Mona again. Yeah, again, so, it's like, "Oh, there's there's backstory, there's, here. there's precedence." Yeah, 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 and then everybody kind of gathers around and hears the insane ramblings of Billy. Billy, yeah, I mean. I I don't remember the first time I saw it, but the second time I did laugh at this, and it's maybe kind of a, an uncomfortable thing. Like, yeah. oh, this is insane and really coarse and crass and yeah. horrendous and shocking for 1974. Yeah, people were not used to hearing the c word in 1974, and unless they have been to see The Exorcist in 1973. <laughs> <laughs> In which case, very familiar. <laughs> oh, the 70s, a decade of the C word. <laughs> That's why it's my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> All the profanity. No, but when they were recording that, they didn't do the audio for the phone calls until after the film was made. So all that the actors had to react to was Bob Clark kind of out of frame, just saying th- menacing things at them. Oh, okay. So they had no idea how coarse it was going to be. So what you're saying is some of their shock was genuine shock at what the director was howling at them. Potentially. I have no idea what he actually said. I don't think he's ever gone on record and told people. It can't be any worse than what was on the actual call. Though. <laughs> it definitely like that can't. Was, wow, this is, this is dark. And they've uh, like gone straight to it. Yeah, they've gone straight to it. And they also, don't about. Also, like I remember when I was a kid and my mum was like, oh, sometimes people ring up and ring random numbers oh, yeah, and, like and like breathe dirty down the phone, phone calls and yeah yeah I, I, that seems to be a big thing in in the 80s as yeah. far as i remember i don't know <laughs> i don't know why it stops if they close the clubs down or something or, or whatever but maybe maybe it still happens on mobile phones i mean nobody's stuff. got a landline anymore so that's sort of true the biggest obstacle to the mouth breathers isn't it it's true yeah so i don't know it does it has something like I mean, it was a cultural thing that happened a lot and maybe it still happens maybe it doesn't so much i don't know but it was something that was talked about a lot in the 80s yeah. i remember it being there so yeah it, it it's it, it's shocking and also this guy's pretty insane yeah i mean so i think the scariest part of that call isn't necessarily the vulgarity of what he's saying because some of that is sort of bordering on funny by today's standards it's the fact that he sort of at the very end, almost like composes himself and just says, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. That is like, that gives me goosebumps. That's so scary. It's nuts. The guy is obviously insane. And he's doing multiple voices. And yeah. And I, I guess first time watch, you're not sure if it's what's going on. Yeah. Like it could literally be multiple people could for, be. you know. It could be. Yeah. You, you, you've really no idea. And I think that sense of confusion adds to it while you're watching mm-hmm. it as well, because you've got everything that's set out and, and you know what's going on. But then also there is this great unknown mm-hmm. of something that actually ends up being so close to them. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting film, I think, in that regard. Yeah. And an interesting sort of conceit to do yeah. it that way yeah um apparently it was three different actors there were two men and one woman i don't believe they're all credited because to this day nobody actually knows who the female voice is i couldn't find that credit anywhere anyway okay which i thought was quite interesting yeah but, but who did the baby i don't know because <laughs> there was a lot of chatter about a baby there was yeah which uh people have got their own theories and stuff about what Billy's backstory is, haven't they? And do you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna entertain that. If you've got a theory, great. I, I would love to hear it. I'm not gonna offer my own because no. to me, the villains of horror stories are so much scarier when they don't have an origin story. Yeah. I think not to harp on about it, but since you brought it up earlier, the Rob Zombie's Halloween. <laughs> I knew like, you was gonna reference that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what ruined it for me. Yeah. I don't need to know that Michael Myers had a rough home life. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Where? Oh no. Like <laughs> yeah. I don't it's so much scarier when we don't know anything. I think the 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 subject of those phone calls, it gives me just enough. Because yeah. it's like, and particularly when you're rewatching it and you, you pick out more, because it's some, some of, it's of it's a bit unintelligible. To, it's hard to hear. Yeah. His insanity is obviously a result of some kind of trauma. And I think that's kind of all you need to know. I don't have any other 
theories about what might have happened. <laughs> oh, good. Outside of, yeah, I've heard a lot on different podcasts on yeah. this to stuff, but I've got nothing new to offer. What they say, yeah, it sounds, sounds about right to me. It was the, um, I think Bad it was boy. the 2006 remake that did sort of expand on that and give Billy a backstory. And yeah. that film was not good. Was it called Backstory Billy? No. <laughs> back, back Road Billy? The road, back in brackets Christmas. The road, yeah. The road to Billy. Yeah. Um, bit disappointing that it wasn't Gary Boosie in a loft, wasn't it? <laughs> Did you think this was going to be some sort of hider in the house prequel? I was, I mean, I was hoping, yeah. I was kind of hoping. He's going to leap down from the attic and say, your worst nightmare, butthorn. Yeah. No. That, that improves every movie. That adds a star to every movie. <laughs> I thought that this was going to be a prequel to that and Elm Street. <laughs> you are making this out to be far more complicated than it actually is. <laughs> I know. I think because it, it, it's one of those rare horror movies. I don't know how successful this is, this was, actually. I didn't look up the budget in the box office. It didn't get very well reviewed, but I think it made something like six times its budget. All right. It was it was a, considered a pretty low-budget movie Yeah. to the point where they had to do things like encourage the actors to wear their own clothes. <laughs> so save <laughs> yeah. some money. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But yeah, it did all right. It did all right. Which is curious because it never got a sequel. It had a couple of re- remakes, like you've mentioned, but it, it didn't become a franchise. And as we said, I guess that didn't really happen until later on in the 70s where these things are becoming more popular. Yeah, the 80s was kind of franchise city, wasn't it? The 80s was the golden era yeah. for horror franchises, right? Yeah, I, I think. For sure. I, I would say so. Yeah. But I think the 70s laid a lot of that groundwork for that. Yeah, I agree. I do have a sad fact about a sequel that never came to pass. Oh, all right. So Bob Clark did want to do one. He managed to, from what I've heard anyway, convince Olivia Hussey to come back on board and John Saxon, but he died that same year, so he never got to do it. Yeah, he passed away in 2007 in a yeah. car accident mm-hmm. with his son. Very, very sad. Tragic, yeah. Happy Christmas! Happy Christmas! <laughs> Do you know what one of my favourite things about this movie is? Is it Peter? It's, it's not Peter. It's the use of space. It's the use of the house and its function mm. as a sorority house. I think, obviously, we've talked about the first phone call. The first kill that we see on screen is Claire. who on is screen. Yeah. Who is kind of strangled with, I don't know, is it sort of a, a hanger thingy? Those plastic things that you put over suits. A suit. Protector. Clothes. <laughs> it's the thing that the suit wears yeah. the thing that your clothes wear uh, like a dust shield clothes clothes yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> she was she was throttled with that which was pretty darn scary i mean this film goes to places that you don't necessarily expect it to and it's not a ter- it's not a tremendously bloody film no obviously same year as texas chainsaw massacre it's definitely bloodier than that but it does kind of do some of the same things mm. in that it films things in such a way that your brain fills in the gaps yeah it it doesn't linger on the violence and the bloodshed there is a little bit of there blood there is yeah but, but it's not graphic in any way no it doesn't hang around and linger on it it's definitely more about the mood and, and the context i think of this movie that that's the scariest part of it yeah but yeah when we when we see claire die that's kind of a genius moment to me because what is scarier than like the notion of a raucous sorority house party obscuring the screams of a dying woman mm. being able to get away with that it's a big house but it's not a mansion you know yeah that's terrifying. Yeah, I think that's a lot to do with it as well. It's, it's how it's your home. You're meant to be safe in your home. Yeah. You would you- it, you've got people around you having a party. That should be the last thing that you would expect to happen. It's interesting that you say that. Would you consider this to be a home invasion movie? Well, it, yes. No. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a journey. <laughs> It's, well, I mean, someone has invaded their home. So if you're going by the letter of the law, then yeah. It's an unusual but one though, I isn't it? I wouldn't call it a home invasion movie in the sense that I would categorise this yeah. in that genre. So yeah, but no. <laughs> yeah, but no. Okay. Yeah, I just I just think the use of, the use of sound and the use of space is really well done. Mm. We get a, a good enough idea of the geography of the house, I think. 
yeah, I think a lot of the the POV stuff with the camera work has yeah. done a lot of the heavy lifting with that stuff as well. Which is what, one thing that I appreciate about it is it's so economical with mm-hmm. with what it's trying to say and what it's trying to the information that it's given you. It doesn't really waste a lot of time. This yeah. movie, it gets sort of straight into it, but then there's not a lot of wasted scenes in terms of it. All feels relevant. Yeah, I guess a- absolutely hard agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you know they achieved the POV stuff? The the cameraman um, had a shoulder mounted camera mm. that they made for it. Mm. Like the, like the predator gun. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Did it have the three <laughs> red dots? I don't think so. <laughs> don't try and work this into the Predator universe. <laughs> it predator it's not pre- also a Predator prequel. <laughs> God, you know me so well. I do. <laughs> so it's not until after Claire dies that we sort of start to get to know. The, the sorority sisters a little bit better. Yeah. And the the house mother as well. Let's not forget Mrs. Mack. Mrs. Mack. Yeah, Mrs. Mack is great. We mentioned her earlier, but uh, she's, I don't know, she feels, she's very protective over the young women. She's got her own thing going on with yeah. the booze hidden <laughs> in books and toilet systems and Look, at work. Everyone has their own ways of coping, okay? <laughs> it's yeah. not my place to judge. Yeah, and she seems quite happy, you know. Yeah, she's got a cat. Cats and hats. Yeah. Cats, hats and booze. (laughs) Cats, hats and booze. That should be the name of your bar. (laughs) That would be the name of my autobiography. (laughs) (laughs) And she kind of, because Claire's Claire's dad, he's very prim and proper and... Stuffy. Is that what that means, stuffy? He's got a stick up his ass. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he sort of hangs around for a bit and then... Well, he's disappears. he's kind of the the main proponent that starts off the the investigation, right? It's only it's only him alerting people that Claire hasn't shown up that they start to realize something might be wrong. Right. Yes, and that's when they bring in Saxon. Get Saxon on it. Looking weirdly like Zac Efron in this movie. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah. It creeps me out. Zac Efron for Lieutenant Fuller for the Elm Street reboot <laughs> that's coming probably quite soon. I mean, yeah, they've tried it already. That was more than a decade ago. Yeah. So it's got to be coming back around. Yeah. It's due another <laughs> go, I think. Yeah. God. Ugh. Well, that's to look forward to. And then Saxon, when Saxon's on it, he's like, yeah, let's get on some wiretapping. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yes, John Saxon, you're doing something. Good man. <laughs> well, it's it's not until they, they report the phone calls separately, though, don't they? Mm-hmm. Because it's Barb and is it Phil who go to the police station to report the calls? Mm. And Barb pulls the prank on the idiot cop behind the desk. Yeah, she says the word fellatio. And fellatio, that's a, that's a Greek word. Uh, yeah. You're right. What does it mean? <laughs> um, we'll talk about that later, shall okay. we? <laughs> yeah, so, so it's not... So the investigation is not started or taken seriously until a man reports it, you say? <laughs> You could say that, yes. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Till the Monopoly guy turns up, and they're like, "Oh, you've got you've got properties." <laughs> yeah, we'll take you seriously, sir. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, then, uh, then, Sa- yeah, Saxon's like, "Get on the wiretapping," and I don't know how old wiretapping is, but I feel like that was probably quite early days in the wiretapping technology world, wasn't it? I don't think there's as much cardio involved these days. No, because that dude was running it, up and down corridors. It, it felt way more labour intensive than I assumed it would be. Yeah, same. I, I just put a sticker on a phone or something. <laughs> you know, like the magnet under the car, but on the phone. <laughs> but yeah, it, I found that very tense though. Like, yeah, it particularly was. Particularly when they're like, you've got to stay on the phone and keep him talking because they need to locate him, triangulate his position. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that was an interesting... Uh, part of the movie as well and something that i probably wasn't expecting uh yeah quite just quite tense quite tense because they're trying to figure it out and then well, obviously when they do figure it out as you know so to me this is where it sort of shows its giallo influence on its sleeve mm. because giallos are by their very nature mysteries that they're not simply slashes there is a mystery to be solved really? is that a, like a prerequisite is that the thing that well yeah so um giallo is just the italian word for yellow mm. Um, and that's because all the crime novels had yellow jackets, so that's where the name comes from. Mm. So yeah, there was all, there was always uh, uh, an investigation element to yeah. those, which to me absolutely makes this like giallo adjacent. Yeah, for for many other reasons, obviously, kind of the the POV stuff as well 
screams giallo. Yeah, and there's some really interesting shots as well that, that did remind yeah. me of kind of some of the... I'm not familiar with giallo in the same way that you are nowhere near, but I've seen a couple. Mm-hmm. I've seen a couple of Argentos. Yeah, and you need a John Saxon in it to be a, a giallo as well. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's um, going to limit you a little bit. We haven't really spoken about the off-screen death, which is what, when the, the, the investigation is being carried out and they're mm-hmm. doing a, the phone tapping and all of that stuff. They're looking for Claire, and in doing so, they come across the corpse of a, another victim, an off-screen death, who turns out to be a child. Yeah, they do say she's quite a young girl, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. And that is presumably related? Well, I, I've never been sure about that, you know. So you're convinced it's related? Yeah, I think so. Because my assumption was always just that we're supposed to think it's related, but it's sort of to throw us off the scent. Mm. Because if there are murders happening, you know, across town, then it's not going to make us think the killer's as close as he really is. True. To it, throw it you off the scent. add a question mark into the location and and where things are happening and how they're going down for sure. I hadn't thought of it, thought of it that way, but I, I would assume that it w- would be the same person okay a a crazed approach to the house someone notices him and he he murders them his victims seem not uniquely female there is at least one male victim there's the cop that sat outside in the like staking out the house in the car Mm. are all of his other victims female i believe so so he does have a problem with women then it seems yeah i mean he's in a sorority house so it's fair to assume he's definitely well he's targeting the women and he's talking he's kind of role-playing when he finds them talking to mommy and agnes yeah so he's definitely got an issue with women he has many issues (laughs) but yeah he's definitely targeting the women the language that he uses on the telephone is directed at the women and you know i don't want to say what what was said on the phone because it's horrible yeah ppc as we said ppc yeah um it's it's gendered it's a gendered it's a gendered attack yes yeah absolutely that's one of the reasons i love the c word though because it is uniquely female and to me there's like power in it because it's as far as swear words go it's the last taboo yeah i like it i must admit i I enjoy using it i enjoy using it when people aren't expecting you to use it yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's the best but i can understand I can I can see why it was included here. Yeah, it works. It it works within the keeping of the whole thing. Yeah, and yeah. the framing of it as kind of a feminist movie. It is. It is. And I know you said earlier that it wasn't intentional, but it, it is that. Do like you know if, what? If you if that's what you think it is, that's what it is. And well, it, that's exactly what I was going to say. If all art is subjective, yeah. then no matter what the artist intended, if you are able to read it in a certain way and it means that to you, mm. then yeah. And it's it's weird when you're making films, I assume, I don't know, you're trying to make what's in your head, mm-hmm. you know, come out onto the screen. But at the end of the day, it is multiple people working on this. And it is kind of a, a bit of like, well, we'll just try and see. But what you end up with is probably quite often quite different to what you had in your head. I don't know. There must be a lot of outliers that make exactly the vision that they're intending, like the Nolans and... Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson and, and Wes... Um, uh, Wes Anderson. No, <laughs> you I was, just said it. <sighs> In my head, I was just like, should I play with you for a little bit? Where's Bentley? Where's Studi? <laughs> I see. All I was thinking is Craven because of the Elm Street connection. Where's Craven? And I couldn't get it out of my head. But yeah, th- those people, they get their vision probably quite clearly out yeah. on screen. But I do feel like a lot of the time it must be kind of a bit of an accident. More of a collaborative thing. A yeah. collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what you turn out. And hopefully you're listening to people along the way that have got other ideas. So I think inevitably, hopefully things do change. Um. Yeah. I, I will say from what I've read, it, it does seem to be pretty close to Bob Clark's vision. Mm. Because he was asked to make a number of changes, and he didn't. Did they ask him to take out the bit where Margot Kidder explains that turtles have sex for three days? <laughs> I don't believe so. That's Good. true, by the way. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> Knackering, right? Yeah. I can't imagine doing anything for three days. <laughs> Not solidly. Playing no. Gran Turismo, baby. <laughs> yeah, I could do that. <laughs> See you in 72 hours. But yeah, the um, it sounds like... I've forgotten his name. Whoever the guy was who wrote the script, I'm so sorry. 
it sounds like Bob Clark made a number of changes to the script. Roy Moore. Roy Moore. Okay. Um, so yeah, the original script had way more graphic kills, mm. which Clark talked him out of, you know, like he talked him into taking some of that out. Bob Clark tweaked the script to add a lot of the humor, which I think was a really welcome inclusion. Agreed. I, I really enjoy the humor of this movie. Yeah. I think it's just about right. There's not too much of it. It's a pretty tense and dark movie. So I do appreciate that humor to... To like puncture the tension a little bit. the tension. Mm-hmm. And also it adds, adds character to these people. It's, it's, I was it's, literally just about to say, it gives the movie personality. Yeah, it gives them personality. And I think we, we spoke about other another movie the other day where I had a, a bit of an issue with some of the characters. And that was a slash movie, actually. Yes, yeah. And I think that it, the comedic stuff is really telling on Barb's character mm-hmm. and Mrs. Mack as well. Yeah. I, I think they're the two funniest characters. Yes, definitely. But, Barb just cracking open a beer in the police station. Yeah. I love it. She's a, she's <laughs> a rebel and you, you you learn more about her character. She She's not really close to her parents, I, I guess, mm-hmm. for, from what I can gather. So she's probably just like, well, fuck you to everyone kind of thing. I'll do what I want. I love it. Anarchy. Yeah, it's great. It's great. So it's it's funny, but also it just it's it's so it makes the characters way more richer. Yeah, and that's the things that I grab onto. I think in in these kind of movies, particularly yeah, for sure, for sure. I don't want to skip ahead to the end, but just mm. in in terms of other stuff that Clark was asked to change, the biggest thing was that the studio wanted him to completely alter the ending. They wanted the killer to be revealed to be Claire's boyfriend, but he point blank refused. Yeah. He Good. wanted the more ambiguous ending, arguably bleaker. <laughs> it's definitely bleak, yeah. But also the ending that the studio wanted absolutely would not have made sense because Claire's boyfriend was pictured at several times. Like, geographically, it could not have been him. Yeah. So I'm I'm so glad he stuck to his guns. Me too. I do enjoy, enjoy, his mate, enjoy is perhaps the wrong word to use, but I do feel like the ending is... A bit of a gut punch. Yeah. I don't think it's ambiguous. Well. uh, Are we going there? Are we going to the ending? No, not yet. Sorry. We've got all the ground to cover yet. I am a big fan of this film. I've made no secret of that. But I can't remember the first time I watched it. I don't remember what my experience with it was the first time. Hmm. um, Because I've seen it so many times over the years. So I'm curious to ask you, as somebody who only saw it two years ago for the first time, what was your experience with it that first time? You said you weren't really aware of it, so you didn't know the story, you didn't know how it played out. No. Did Did you guess that the calls were coming from inside the house? Were you compelled by the mystery of it? I enjoyed the the unknowing of it, the confusion of it. Mm-hmm. I Definitely. Um, did you guess how it would play out? Did you find it predictable or did you think it was quite surprising? I think I probably... I think I probably would have assumed that it was Peter. Would you? Yeah. All signs point to, except if you're paying very close attention. Yes. Is there not a shot of when Barb is being killed as well, of Billy? And he does look remarkably like Peter. He does. It was a different actor, obviously, but yeah. but there are certain suggestions throughout. And this is what I mean when I say if you're paying very close attention, I mean very close. That really fucking haunting shot where you just see the eye through the crack of the door. Mm. Um, and it's a brown eye and Peter has blue eyes. Right. So there are right. there are giveaways, but you really do have to be paying attention. Yeah, that is not something that I would pick up on my no. 50th view. <laughs> I don't know what colour Arnold Schwarzenegger's eyes are. <laughs> and you've looked at him a lot. I have looked at him a lot. <laughs> well, one of them's red, right? And blinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I could pick them out of a crowd. Yeah, I, I I don't I guess I guess I was just enjoying the ride of this film. I don't think well, really good. that I was really invested in the mystery of it, but I was enjoying the craft of it and the characters okay i keep coming back to the characters but i think for me that is probably my favorite thing about this it's definitely one of the strongest parts of the movie for sure they're really well written yeah um i I particularly love jess actually and we've not talked enough about jess as a character because initially she's sort of shown to be this like she's very well spoken bordering on posh i would say we all (laughs) speak like we all know the queen well not anymore but she's sort of portrayed as being like prim and proper and 
you sort of initially get the idea that she's a bit of a good girl. Yeah. But then you find out that she's dating a, a well, in real life, significantly older man. I don't know how old his character was supposed to be. Well, he was a he was a, a student boy, wasn't he? Or doing the piano at people. But wasn't he like 38 in real life? Was he? Yeah, he was much oh older. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. I, I <laughs> it's hard know. to say. Everybody just looked a little bit older in the 70s. It's really hard. Yeah, it's really hard to tell. They're either yeah. 19 or 38. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. Um, so they were dating. They were dating. Jess and Peter. He's doing his piano thing. He's like, I'm He's gonna, <laughs> I've got to do the piano really well at people. And I'm really like stressed out about it, actually. And I appreciate it if you didn't come to me with news about having child. And then he commits GPH. Yeah. Grievous piano harm. Yeah. Um, what, by, by assaulting a piano with a hammer. He wrecks it. No, yeah. it's like a it's a microphone stand or something. Oh, was it? Yeah. I, I assumed you meant at first. My brain was thinking, oh, because he played that piano so hard. It was sick. He he was. He tore it up. He was, he was sweating <laughs> and like I when during that scene I said to you, is this good or not good? It is like because he's this, he's been building up to this and he's performing this piano piece in front of these aging white men in in funny robes and big medallions. They're very important people. Clearly. Yeah. And he was really stressed out about it. And he was playing it. And I was, but I couldn't tell whether that was he, he was doing a good job or a bad job. But you tell me that he was doing a bad it job. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. But you only know that because you you are familiar with the mechanics of a piano. I used to play the piano, yeah. Yeah. That's a weird way of saying you used to play the piano. Yes, I'm fil- familiar with the mechanics. <laughs> Is that a weird thing to say? Yeah. Okay. You're a weird dude. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Fills me with such confidence. Merry Christmas. <laughs> You're a weird dude, Dan. Am I wrong? No. It's one of the reasons I love you. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Um, but yeah, so that leads us to kind of the central character motivations for those two. He is livid, tries to forbid her to get the abortion. Yeah. And she says, no, my body, my choice, or words to those effects. Yeah. To that effect, rather. And he's like, well, let's get married then. It's a very, very old-fashioned show of like chivalry. Well, we must get married. Yeah. (laughs) But I love her reaction. She's just like, no, that's ludicrous. Stop it. And because of the the era in which it came out as well, and I know you say this, it it wasn't intentional, but it definitely was a year after the Roe v. Wade thing. Mm -hmm. And it definitely would have played a part into people's view and experience while watching this movie, I'm assuming. Yes, I would say so. Relevant... uh, news Mm -hmm. sad to say you could say the same thing these days yeah but interestingly i I definitely do consider this to be a feminist slasher obviously the 2019 remake which i know you haven't seen Mm. you've been spared from my opinion it's as bad as everybody says it is okay i can see what they were trying to do i don't blame sophia to i think it was a stupid move to make it a pg-13 which apparently was her choice but there was a lot of studio fuckery she was rushed it just, it didn't go well, shall we say. Mm. So I don't blame the director. And I do think there were some really interesting ideas there. But they were going for such a heavy-handed feminist take on what I believe is an already really feminist movie. But they tried to make it up to date by, obviously it was, they had mobile phones. It wasn't a landline. Yeah. But most of the... We're getting a Snapchat from the, <laughs> from Billy. Yeah. The... um. They obviously had to make changes to bring it up to date. But the stuff that they tried to do to make it more a more modern take on feminism was just like to talk about vibrators and the sisterhood and stuff. And I, it was it was a bit too cringy for me. Yeah. It was a bit too heavy handed. But right. I can see what they were trying to do and there were some nice ideas. But in trying to do that, they sort of inadvertently made a film that was, I think, to me, less a feminist slasher than the original. Mm. I, well, I think for me... Things are probably better when they're maybe a bit more subtle. I don't necessarily think Black Christmas 74 is subtle. I think it's the themes of it are in your face, whether or not intentional. Did we watch a, a trailer or something for this 2019 one? Is that the one with... Um, Imogen Poots, isn't it? Imogen Poots and... Um, Kerry Elwes. Yeah, Ke- yeah, Kerry Elwes. Yeah. Um, Twister. Twister. Unrealized, that is. Unrealized. <laughs> We've got to watch Twister. <laughs> oh, God, it's do we? Yeah, Carrie Elwes is in it. You like him? And Bill Paxton. I like Bill Paxton. Yeah, you like Helen Hunt. Do I? Yeah. Sure. 
and um <laughs> i've seen twister you know that right it's a great movie isn't it they've it's, got the there's it was the fine bit, in 1997 do you remember the bit with a the cow they've got a cow and it flies across the screen <laughs> um what were we saying remakes there was also a 2006 version which mm-hmm. i obviously wasn't aware of i'm not a fan of that one but a lot of people sing its praises a lot of people sort of say in hindsight everyone was a bit too harsh at the time okay. but it that's, didn't do much for me that, that's fair enough i think it's probably safe to say that none of them live up to the original no nowhere nowhere near is it do you think that you could make another version of this that's good or even necessary um good yes necessary no I I would tend to agree with that. I think, yeah. I don't I don't think it's because it doesn't feel very dated to me. No, it doesn't. I, I, it, not at it all. It feels super modern. I, aside from the technological aspects with the landline stuff and the fashion and the fashion, which I love. Yeah, but it, it's it's not it's not dated. It feels mm. quite contemporary to me. It does. Yeah. In, in in all of its execution with the 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 style, just in you mentioned the sound with the, what they do with the sound how it's shot. I love what they do with the sound, actually. We've not talked about that very much, but like the discordant sort of piano stuff. When you talk about when Peter's smashing a piano with his hands. (laughs) Keir D'Elia did the soundtrack for this movie. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. (laughs) Oh, you nearly had me then. (laughs) Well, he sort of did because that sound when he's like smashing the piano reoccurs. Mm. The sound of whatever it is hitting all the keys at once. Yeah in a really haphazard way, that sound does reoccur. And that, uh, that's interesting because if you're just randomly smashing piano keys as well, mm-hmm. it does kind of feel like that would be a fair representation of what madness is, just hearing all of those <laughs> notes hit at the same time and not being able to make sense of any of them or, or pick out one note from the other. I guess so. We've talked a little bit about it being a feminist movie. The characters that we focus on are predominantly female, do you think there are any likable male characters in this film? Yeah, I, I think I think Saxon, Saxon boy. He, any anybody beyond Saxon? I think I think I think um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Peter's a dick. Peter's a massive bad. Yeah, hand. Peter's a wanker. And then you've got the idiot policeman at the police station. Yeah, not great. Harmless, but a bit. Well, he's not harmless actually. He's he, he's a bit dismissive initially. Yeah. Um. So he's not harmless. And then there are a few other male characters. You've got Claire's dad, who's a, a prude. I mean, he's not a bad guy, but he's he's not great. Well, who knows? He might be a bad guy. Who knows what True, he's got yeah. in his basement? <laughs> You've think... got the, the the men who are in the search party who knock oh, on the God, back yeah. door of a sorority house holding guns in the middle of the night. Yeah, we'll keep you safe. <laughs> like, that's going to be well received. Yeah, Fuck that... off. Just Saxon then. It's just Saxon for me. But even his character is kind of not entirely innocent in, oh he's likable though he's he's likable and he's got good intentions but i think for me what i particularly the second time watching this i thought oh he is a bit of a victim of his own ego i guess so yeah he, he, he's talking to jess and peter storms out after they've had their argument about their situation saxon clocks him mm-hmm. and then he brings it up again later at the end of the movie and he says yeah, yeah i always had a hunch it was peter and then that's it. It's like yeah, it's oh, my confirmation cr- bias. I was right. Yeah, exactly. It's good. so it is like ego. He he is good. He's the best of the dudes, I would say. But he's still problematic. Mm, problematic. He's some still... of the female characters are problematic though. Who's uh... nobody's a perfect person in this. Mrs. Mack is quite problematic. Is let's she? be honest. She's, she's a got a cat. raging booze hound. She's not driving anywhere. <laughs> She's being driven around by Claire's dad. That's true. Yeah. She's fine. Safety. As long as you're not operating any heavy machinery. (laughs) She's just operating a sorority house. Yeah. I'm not advocating drinking and going to work. (laughs) Check your contract. I can. I'm self-employed. Yeah, you do what you like. I'm fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I should probably point that out. (laughs) We we haven't even talked about Barb's death, you know. Um, I I was sad to see her go, but unsurprised Mm. because the sassy girl's seldom make it especially back then yeah i was hoping she would make it yeah me too but a cool death scene well that's that's when you get a flash of these billy's face yes and you think it's peter billy. but apparently he's got different eye colors yeah <laughs> and it's a different man <laughs> i know you know i've got a problem recognizing faces to me it's the same man okay <laughs> but yeah she's um she's stabbed to death isn't she by i believe it's a unicorn 
statue. Is it a, like glass, a glass unicorn? Glass unicorn. Yeah. But yeah. the some of the shots there are actually really well done. Like it, I don't know. I hesitate to call it beautiful because <laughs> no, it's a yeah. woman being stabbed to death. But it's quite, it's very cinematic it's very for a very cin- low budget slasher movie. Yeah. And it's probably the most graphic, is it, of the of the deaths? I think so. Yeah. And obviously by its very nature, it's the, the, the phallic nature of the, the unicorn mm-hmm. statues you've mentioned. It does feel like this is where everything is coming to a head. And it's maybe the, the thing that is maybe most memorable about this, is about this film is her death, perhaps. This um, might be something that I think about when in five years when you say, do you remember Black Christmas? I'm thinking, <laughs> oh yeah, Margot Kidder. I'm thinking Margot Kidder talking about turtles having sex for three days <laughs> and saying fellatio quite a bit. It's one of the most memorable things. I don't know. The thing I always think of is Claire in plastic wrap is it? on the rocking chair. Okay. That haunts me. Well, we We as the audience at this point don't yet know that it's not Peter. Because it's the point at which uh, Jess is told over the phone, the call is coming from inside the house. Mm. And then Peter shows up. I think at that point she finds out that um, Phil and Barb are dead. But I thought that the only reason she's even not getting out immediately is because she thinks... She wants to go and check on them. Yeah. But I think on the phone they're just like, just get out. Yeah, the the policeman definitely does say, look, just get out. Ask me no questions at first. But then I'm immediately going to tell you that the the killer's in the house. (laughs) Yes, a split second later. (laughs) But yeah, it's at that point that Peter shows back up and they end up in the basement. And she thinks, could be Peter. Well, yeah, why wouldn't she? He's been a bit weird. Yeah, and I think maybe Saxon's sort of been in her ear a little bit. True. So he appears at the window, but then he has an off-screen death. Who, Peter? Peter. Is he dead? Yeah, she kills him. I thought he was just unconscious. No, no, no. When, When she's like right at the end when she's sedated... And they say, oh, she's going to be out for like three, four hours. And the police are stationed around her bed and then everybody leaves. They, they're talking about how he's dead. Right. Okay. Oh, I missed that. And then obviously we get the inverse of the opening scene where we had the POV camera going towards the house. At the end, we've got the camera sort of, it's not POV anymore, but the camera moving away from the house. Yeah. And you've just got that fucking haunting shot. You know she's in there, completely defenseless, out cold. Mm. You see that horrible shot of Claire in plastic wrap at the window in the attic. And then as the camera pans out, you hear the the phone ringing. Mm. And then the movie's just like, that's it. Fuck you. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah, it's a pretty bleak ending, but I I think it's a good ending for sure. I think it's the right ending for this movie. Agreed. But oh my God. Yeah, it's stark. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. It's in stark contrast to to the humour that's peppered throughout and any any kind of brevity that we get. Mm. And it's just like, no, nobody's safe. Soz, it's dark, man. And then, and then all of the, the guys are like, yeah, let's pat ourselves on the back. We did a good job here, apart from Peter, who's, who's dead. <laughs> yeah, we did a really good job that didn't involve searching the attic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and finding multiple bodies and would... maybe a cat. We never see Claude again. We don't know what's, what's happened to Claude. I'm going to assume he's fine. I love the choice to just have the phone ringing over the credits. No music, just yeah. that fight, that haunting phone. Oh, yeah, so good. And like you say, defenseless. Can I say that she's one of my favourite Final Girls? Because she what doesn't you like. Well, she did. Well, Final Girl implies that she survives. Well, she survives the movie. Exactly. So yeah. can I say she's one of my favourite Final yeah, Girls? You can because who okay. knows if they had a major sequel, maybe she wakes up. Maybe she metabolizes the sedative really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it for Black Christmas. Do you yeah. have any any other thoughts, any trivia, anything you want to say? Not really. Just that I, I really, really like this one. It's maybe um, top top three slashes, I would say. Have you seen, seen more than three? I don't know if I've seen more than three. <laughs> does, does A Nightmare on Elm Street count? Because that's my top one yes yeah yeah kind but, but, of yeah it's, it's definitely it's way more there. inventive than the average slasher there's a lot more to it yeah it's it's really well made i really love the characters i really love some of the performances he's got some great one-liners yeah 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 some great one-liners it's really economical nice jumper who's got a nice jumper freddy Krueger. oh i'm talking about black christmas <laughs> oh right like, um yeah, no, I like this one a lot. I'm glad that we, I'm glad that we watched it again. Oh, good. I enjoyed watching this one. I've, I've got to be honest, that surprised me. Okay. I thought you would be underwhelmed. Hmm. 
more than anything. It's 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 quick as well. It's brisk. It's pacey. It's, it is. You it's know. It's not. I could. It's um. I associate. It's not a drag. No, it's funny because I associate the seventies with really slow burn horror. Yeah. And you're right. This kind of moves along really well. It does, and and maybe that's another reason why it feels more contemporary. Yeah. It just doesn't need anything. Doesn't need another version of this. This is the perfect version of this, and I don't think. I don't think that you can really remake this and make it any better. So why bother? No, exactly, exactly. Unless you want money. Well, they do though, don't they? Yeah. They like money. They do love money. <laughs> Did you know that Malcolm McDowell almost played Peter? Peter. Oh no, I would hate that. Same, but it's um, it's a decision he regrets to this day. Is it? He says, yeah. Yeah, it, it was a bad decision not to do it, but I'm glad that he decided not to. It was do a it. it was a bad decision for him. Yeah. Good decision for us. Yeah, agreed. agreed. <laughs> what else have we got? Apparently, um, in every scene where Margot Kidder's character Barb was drinking, Kidder insisted on it being real alcohol. Of course she did. The whole yeah. time. I love her. Legend. <laughs> I Can I go on record and say that I might be in love with Mar- Margot Kidder? As sure. well as you, obviously, you're my number one. <laughs> but Mar- Margot Kidder but might... She's a close second. She's a close second. <laughs> I was never Lois Lane, so... No, exactly. I can't compete. Yeah. <laughs> early childhood memories <laughs> my superman costume oh bless you jumping off my nan's coffee table <laughs> causing chaos no doubt <laughs> no i was saving the world with my laser eyes <laughs> um but yeah that, so we've already talked a little bit about it not actively being a feminist movie mm. but bob clark did make the active decision not to sexualize any of the female characters and he specified there would be no nudity mm. which was somewhat unusual at the time definitely unusual for slashers going forward yeah this was made 10 years later there's no way you would have had that kind of boobs galore man yeah it would have been everywhere well where the tits yeah (laughs) it's great but let's just put some more tits in there bob clark (laughs) yeah good Uh, it's it's curious isn't it like he's like i didn't really mean to make a feminist movie that wasn't what i was going for but it kind of feels like it was yeah and i like that i think that's maybe like i said earlier the unintentional nature of it Feels more authentic, maybe. It doesn't feel too try hard. Feels more authentic. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was it was pretty influential. Like there was a slew of sorority based horrors that came in its wake. Obviously, House on Sorority Row, which was remade as just Sorority Row. Very mediocre. Um, things like Sorority House Massacre, um, Hell Night kind of counts, Lin- with Linda Blair. Mm. You could say Happy Death Day, maybe. Yeah. Initiation more recently, so it's definitely it definitely sparked something of a trend, I would say, mm. and I think it's pretty obvious. Like it wears its influences on its sleeve, but also in turn, it was incredibly influential. So I I love it. No notes. Good. I mean, I did have a lot of literal notes, but yeah, good good movie. Enjoyed it. Like it. So I guess we need to announce what we're doing next week. We do. Yeah. This time next week will be New Year's Day. It will be not Christmas Day. Is it? New Year's Day or New Year's Eve? I think it's New Year's Day, exactly a week after Christmas Day, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's Monday, the New Year's Day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So ne- ne- next week we're doing Rare Exports. We are, yeah. Which, First time watch for you. Yes. And it, and again, there's a couple of versions of this, isn't there? Or, or is it? are they different movies? It's not a remake of a remake. It is. Uh, there may be a short film. Oh, okay. Because I looked on Letterboxd and I... There was confusion because I was trying to find which one that you meant and I had to ask you. Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale, I believe. Yeah, so get ready for a lot of old man penis. (laughs) (laughs) You you mean just in general? (laughs) In the film? In the film, not in life. Thank God. (laughs) She wipes his sweaty brow. (laughs) 